0: Well, I want to get started with a question here today. Uh, Some of you who've heard me teach in uh, the other sessions, you know that I I like to have a time of interaction where we can talk with each other and we can talk together. And I want to get started with a question, uh, a question that I actually know you already know the answer to. In fact, I know you know the answer to this because Pastor T has told me, and I have now witnessed how well you know the answer to this question. But I still want to ask it anyway because... I think today there's going to be something that hopefully I can contribute to the answer as well. I can get us thinking uh, in a different sort of way about the answer, and I hope that you will leave encouraged by this conversation we're going to have today. So so here's the question. Uh, Can you just take over the slides for me? This is going to be pretty easy. Here's a question, simple. I know you know the answer to it, but turn to your neighbor, and for the next minute, the next 60 seconds, I want you to just answer this question on the screen with your neighbor, what is the gospel? What is the gospel? 60 seconds. Go. Pastor T is watching, you better get the answer right, just kidding. All right, I hear the I hear you guys all dying out. So you knew the answer to this, right? Okay, good, good. So still hear some talking. Finish up about fifteen more seconds. All right, who are the brave souls here this morning who are gonna give us like a fifteen-second answer? Okay, we don't we don't need a sermon. We don't need a you know you don't need to preach. But who wants to volunteer real quick? What is the gospel? How did you answer that with your group? And Pastor T is gonna give you a mic. Yeah, right there. About 15 seconds. Real short and sweet. The gospel is a good news of the kingdom of God. Good news of the kingdom of God. Okay, good, good. I like that. I like that. What else? What else? Yeah, right here. It's the story of Jesus Christ, his virgin birth, um, ah. his sinless life, his death on the cross, and his resurrection. Okay. Amen. Good. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That was good. That was... That was just two sentences, too. That was good. Yeah. One more. Anybody want to add to that? Anybody? Okay. Right here. We'll, last one. We'll add to that. What? Oh, okay. That's good. Okay. Go for it. Go for it. Um, it's the discovery of who you are um, in Christ. Who you are in Christ. Okay. I like that. I like that. That's good. We'll do one more right here. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think it's also the power of God power through God. Christ Jesus. Yeah. That's hey, what the gospel is doing. Good, good, good. Hey, let's give everyone a hand real quick for answering this. Yeah. You know, like I said, it's very clear to me that Pastor T has taught you well. You have given some great answers. Uh, how many of you, when you first heard the question, thought of either the, the cross or Jesus? How many, how many of you thought of the cross and Jesus? Just by show of hands. Okay, just show of hands. Okay. Okay, raise it high. This is Jesus, right? This is the cross. Okay, okay. just want to make sure, right? This is the gospel, right? So, you know, it's it's really interesting, I think, that many times, rightly so, when we think about the gospel, we think about Jesus and the cross. And we think about it that way because the Bible tells us that is the gospel. 1 Corinthians 15, Paul, when he's writing, he talks about Jesus, the cross, the resurrection, And I I think it's a beautiful picture, of course, of the gospel, of, of God's love, God's forgiveness, God's mercy, God's acceptance. But there's something really interesting, actually, as we begin to look in the Bibles a little deeper. We begin to see that the gospel is something that isn't just about the cross. It's actually a little bigger than the cross. The gospel is actually not just about the cross. The cross is actually the pinnacle, actually. Of the gospel, so the cross is important. If you don't talk about the cross when you think about the gospel, something's wrong. Okay, let's let's just acknowledge it. You've gone into what we would call heresy. You need to talk about the cross and Jesus. But what we discover when we begin to look at the word gospel in the Bible is that the cross is just the pinnacle, and well, there's this mountain. There's something bigger called the gospel. What I want to do here this morning, in the brief time I have, is just to share ever so briefly from a teaching of Jesus, where Jesus talks about the gospel. And my hope is that, again, I'm not going to necessarily add to what you know. I think you've got the gospel down. But my hope is to simply encourage you and to move you forward in a better grasp, a better living of, and a better sharing of the gospel. My hope is that as we look at this teaching of Jesus, you'll be moved deeply, be passionate about what God has called you as faithful to do. If you can, turn to Mark chapter 1. And we're going to simply look at verses 14 and 15. Mark 1, 14 and 15. Uh, it's up here on the board as well. This is a very straightforward and simple record of Jesus' teaching. right? In, in actuality, it's his first teaching recorded in what many scholars believe is the first actual gospel. Mark was the first one written. The other ones were written after that. And so this is the very first teaching we get in any gospel, of the four gospels. Notice what is said here. I, I want to point out three points here this morning about how the gospel is bigger. Let me just read this, and let's go through this together. It says this, Now after John was arrested, we're talking about John the Baptist, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Now, this is really interesting as you kind of just think through what's going on. I, you know, I know many of us have a church background, so this kind of sounds very familiar. But let's let's kind of slow down, take a pause, and make sure we walk through and understand what's actually happening here. Because as we get started in verse 14, note that Jesus is actually proclaiming the gospel. Now, if the gospel, if, if we think the gospel is only about the cross, this is kind of weird, that Jesus would talk about the cross. Because he hasn't died yet. No one knows about the cross yet. <laughs> and so... We already see right away that the gospel is a little bigger than just the cross. Again, the cross is the summit, but the gospel is something even bigger that Jesus Himself can talk about. In fact, if you want to just jot down notes, Galatians three eight will say that in the back in Abraham's day, the Scriptures were preaching the gospel to Abraham. So, gospel is very big. But what is it referring to? What's this big thing that it's referring to? Well, we get this beautiful explanation in verse 15. Jesus gets into it right away. We see his gospel proclamation, right? And there are three things I want to point out about his gospel proclamation, how it is big and perhaps even bigger than we can imagine. The first thing we know is that the gospel is a bigger story than we can imagine. Notice how it says, as Jesus proclaims in verse 15, the time is fulfilled. The time is fulfilled. What is Jesus talking about there? Well, it turns out that Jesus is actually referring to the story of Israel, right? Many of you know this. The story of how Israel, back thousands of years ago before Jesus came, that Israel knew God, but constantly fell away from God. They loved God, but they constantly also hated God. They, they, they tried to follow him, but they constantly sinned and could not keep up with following God. And yet in their story, in their up and down story, God constantly said, you know what, there will be a day. There will be a day where I will actually come and I will put my spirit in you. I will change you, change your heart, and I will cause you to obey me and love me in a way that you'll never fail again. The gospel is part of this bigger story of hope. This bigger story of broken people searching for answers and finding ultimately their answer in Jesus. It's a part of something much bigger than just the cross now why, why is this important to think about and reflect on again I, I'm not teaching you anything new right you know this pastor T has taught you this I know that but why should we remember that the gospel is part of the bigger story well let's let's hit the fast forward button and come to right now right here right now you know the reality is and, and I was talking to some of uh, some of your leaders here uh, the last few days about this the reality is we live in a world that is actually more and more unaware of the Gospel. We live in a world now that more especially in great cities of the world, like Gilbert, especially as people get more and more educated and exposed to other cultures, as, as more and more families struggle and disintegrate because of urbanization and globalization, We live in a world where more and more people aren't really familiar with the cross. But here's the deal. You can't just jump to to the cross and tell them about the cross and expect them to know the gospel. Because there's a lot that they don't understand, a lot they don't get, and a lot that they're going through that will cause them not to listen to the cross. You You and I, we have to realize that they're actually going through a story in their lives right now. It's a story that involves not just their lives, but their own family and the migration and urbanization that they're going through, but not just their own family, their nation is going through. I know many of you are from Zim. I've heard from many of you that your nation, Zim, has has been going through a lot and it's caused mass migration, families being split up and all these sorts of things, right? People are part of a story. We're all part of some type of story. And we need to remember that the gospel comes in to a bigger story that we're a part of. Thankfully, our story is like this, but the gospel story is like this. And the gospel wants to enter into these smaller stories and bring something better. Bring something bigger. Don't forget that. Don't forget that we're a part of a story, and that people around us are part of a story. You know, I, I think our effectiveness in sharing the gospel and seeing people be transformed by the gospel will involve us realizing the stories around us. Does that makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense, right? Well, Jesus continues with the teaching, and he says, "This: the kingdom of God is at hand." Okay, right. We're talking about his gospel proclamation. He says the time is fulfilled. There's so this bigger story going on. And then he says the kingdom of God is at hand. What is he talking about? Remember, there's a Jewish background to what Jesus is saying, right? And if we were to look in the Jewish background to this idea of kingdom of God, again, you know this, what Jesus is talking about is not just the bigger story. He's also talking about, a bigger transformation that he wants to bring about. Because we know this because the kingdom of God was a very key concept in the Jewish person's life. It was a key concept about not just their own salvation, but their national and global salvation. You remember that the Jewish people at that time were an oppressed people group by the Roman Empire? They lived in oppression of this dominant empire, and they were longing for God's salvation, not just from sin, but from the Roman Empire. And not only that, when you look at the Old Testament, you look closely, the kingdom of God is about the world's salvation. It's about global peace. It's about global justice. It's about global joy and happiness and the fulfillment of how life was meant to be, just like in the Garden of Eden. It's the return to Eden, essentially. Now, again, you know this. You know that the gospel is about a bigger transformation. Pastor T's taught you that. But I want you to just pause and think really quick. Is that how you're understanding the gospel right now today? Because if you're like me and you're like a lot of Americans, we tend to default into thinking that the gospel, well, is first and foremost about me. Right? Right? It's about my struggles, my problems, my finances. You know, and it's about me. Maybe it'll be about my family, right? Maybe you know, we'll take it there. Maybe it'll be about the church, maybe. But if you're if if you're like any other human being in the world, you know we're we're very individual individualistically focused, right? Jesus is talking about something bigger. A bigger transformation that He wants to bring. A transformation that is going to change not just you, but your family, and not just your family, but your church, and not just your church, but your city. Four ways. Ronfontaine, Johannesburg, but not just your city, your nation. And not just your nation, your continent, and not just your continent, the world as we know it. You know, it was really, uh, really cool. I was talking to Pastor Chipo uh, just yesterday, and or two days ago, and we were just chatting about um, what God was doing in our lives and really affre- appreciate how Pastor Chipo was just sharing about this burden she had to see women transformed on the continent of Africa through business mentoring, economic empowerment, through women realizing their full God-given potential And living it in this world. And I thought to myself, that's the kingdom of God. That's gospel transformation. That's that bigger gospel that Jesus is wanting. And so we have a bigger story, a bigger transformation. And the last thing I want to say here on this passage is in this final place, we're talking about a bigger challenge than we actually realize. The gospel involves a bigger challenge than we often realize. Notice how, as Jesus is giving a very simple message, actually, right? He ends by saying, repent and believe in the gospel. Repent and believe in the gospel. Now, again, you know what these words mean. You know that repent means to change your mind, right? The Greek word for repent is metanoia. Meta, meaning metamorphosis, change, right? Meta. Noia is the Greek word for mind. So repent means to change your mind, change the direction of your life. I love how Pastor T is always talking about the transformation of your mind. That's what repentance is. It's turning from living life your own way to turning to living life Jesus' way, okay? Believe, you know what believe is. You know it's about trust. It's about a relationship. You know all that, okay? And so you know how we enter into the gospel transformation. You already know this. Repent and believe. Here's what I want to add to get you thinking a little bit bigger. And how this challenge is actually a little bigger in terms of what's involved. Did you know that the word gospel was actually used not just by Jewish people, but also by the Roman Empire? You want to remember, as you read the Gospel of Mark especially, that Mark was the gospel written to the Roman Empire. So Roman followers of Jesus. Matthew was written to Jewish Jews. Mark was written to Rome, the city of Rome, actually. Luke is written to the Gentiles, and John is written to those afterwards who are dealing with different Greek philosophies. Okay, so Mark is written to the Romans. And as we, as historians, have studied the usage of the word gospel in the ancient world, they've come to this shocking discovery, I think, that the word gospel was used by Caesar and Caesar Augustus often. Okay, Caesar. You all know Caesar from your history classes was the ruler of the Roman Empire right before Jesus. And then, when Jesus came, it was during Caesar Augustus' time. And during that time, Rome began to go towards what they call the Golden Age of Rome. Pax Romana, the great peace of Rome. And if you look closely at the documents of that time, you will see that whenever Caesar conquered a new territory, a proclamation would be issued throughout the empire. Heralds would come into a city, and they would preach the gospel. The word used in our Roman documents is actually gospel. And the gospel they would proclaim is that Caesar Augustus, son of God. Caesar Augustus actually used that title for himself, too, son of God. Caesar Augustus. I'm serious. Look at it up. It's on the Google, right? It's on Google. You can find this. Um, but, you know, it's in other, other scholarly work, too. But... Um, Caesar Augustus has conquered this new territory. the good news. We're proclaiming this good news for the Roman Empire. Right? And so now think about this. Think about the Roman who is now reading Mark for the very first time. right? Mark writes it, or Peter talks to Mark, and they write it, they give it to the Romans. And in the city of Rome, the city, the city center of the Roman Empire, they read this document out loud. You know they're thinking in their mind of the gospel that they've heard from Caesar Augustus. And all of a sudden, the very first verse actually in Mark, Mark chapter 1, verse 1, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, not Caesar Augustus. You could probably imagine everyone would be like, wait. What just happened? Right? And you can imagine during Jesus' time even when he would speak, right? The gospel. The challenge was so much bigger. The challenge people felt was so much bigger. It's not just about me struggling with my sins and fighting about my sins anymore. Or me having a, you know, problems with my husband or wife or my, my group of friends. Like, oh, if I follow Jesus, I might get shunned by them although that's real I don't want to discount that that's that's real right that's real that hurts right but we're talking about going against the Empire going against the whole system the whole thing the whole thing that is trying to define your life right now now you know Caesar Augustus was a crazy man he even He even, uh, the first Caesar, Caesar Augustus' grandfather is the, the first Caesar we know about. Caesar himself set up a cult centered around him to worship him. And in every town, and you can imagine, again, at the city center, at the nation's capital center, empire center, Rome, you know this is going on. There were idols, temples, all these things dedicated to Caesar. Now why why is it important to realise that the gospel challenge is much bigger than we can imagine? First of all, we need to realize this for ourselves, right? Because sometimes we can get sucked into the empire very quickly. Now, I you know, I know I know you have different views of your president now. We we have some challenging views of what's about <laughs> to happen too. But you know, I, I know. I know many of you probably don't struggle with the, the "quote unquote" empire of you know, of Zuma, right? You're like, okay, Zuma, okay, he's cool, but you know, like I don't struggle with that. But the empires, so to speak, that have influence over you and me probably are the empires of capitalism, right? The empires of materialism, the empires that, well, empire, the entertainment show empire, right? <laughs> I mean, those are the greater challenges that are trying to get our allegiance, aren't they? And the reality is, for the gospel to spread in four ways, four four, four ways, right? Four ways, Okay, Four ways, the gospel to spread in Bromptonite. You know that the empires there are huge. Now, the beautiful thing about Jesus, as he will continue to preach later, and we won't have time for this, but again, I know Pastor T has taught you this already, that as Jesus continues to preach, he's going to make something very clear. He's going to tell us that you and I actually cannot repent and believe by ourselves. The flesh is too strong. The empire is too big. Flesh cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Right? John chapter 3? Only those who are born again by the Spirit will inherit the kingdom of God. And so don't be dismayed by this greater challenge. Don't be dismayed. Don't be discouraged. But run to the Spirit of God, please. Cry out for yourself. Cry out for your friends. Cry out for Four Ways. Cry out for Bronfantine. Cry out for Johannesburg that the Spirit of God would come and break the power of the empire and break the power of the flesh and bring the good news. I want to just say again that this is something I know you know already. I know you know the gospel. Praise God that you do. But I hope that today as we've meditated and thought through this teaching of Jesus, you've seen something a little bit bigger about the Gospel. And I hope that as you see this and as I see this, we will come to God and cry out to Him. That we can live, breathe, walk in and proclaim the beautiful, beautiful Gospel of God. Can you join me in a word of prayer? This morning, God, you are writing a big story right now. Uh, the stories that we live in are not accidental. The stories of the people around us are not accidental. You know, it's tough to see a big story in a big city like Joburg. The empire is strong here. Capitalism, people wanting to move ahead, it's strong. We need you, God, to break through. We need you to open our eyes afresh, to understand where we stand in the gospel, but also where others stand, and how we can join you in bringing others into the gospel story. So, God, I pray just a blessing over my brothers and sisters here at Faith Hill Church. A blessing over Pastor Tafari and Ichipo, God, that, Father, you would just continue the amazing work you're doing here. That you would add to it. That you would make it bigger. Not just with numbers, but really with this understanding of this bigger gospel that we live in.